Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. He just kept punching me until my teeth came out of my mouth. Like, that's attempted murder. He could have killed me. I said, is my son still alive? And they said, I'm sorry to inform you, your son is deceased. I gave him a look, like, I hope you realize you just crossed a line and I don't have to say that out loud. We have a system where police officers fight tooth and nail to keep all of this information about misconduct away from the public. Internal investigations into police misconduct, which is how police are supposed to hold themselves accountable, were kept secret for decades here in California. The families of people killed by police weren't even allowed to know the details of how their loved ones died. But then a new transparency law took effect here in California in 2019. It unsealed records about police shootings, on-duty sexual misconduct, and dishonest behavior from officers. My colleagues here at KQED, where we produce the California Report, have spent the last two years combing through those records and uncovering the stories behind them. They've launched a new investigative podcast with NPR called On Our Watch. And today on the California Report magazine, we're going to bring you an excerpt from episode one of that podcast. Police department. Did you call 911 again, Catherine? Yes, I did. Okay, what was the issue? My car again. Okay. We've been to your house. This is the second time tonight. Yes, it is, sir. It's September 30th, 2018. It's still dark outside around 3 o'clock in the morning in this little town called Rio Vista, which is in the Sacramento Delta region of Northern California. A 56-year-old white woman named Catherine Jenks has called 911. Two cops are now at her door, their body cameras rolling. And that's what you're here for, is to serve me and protect me. No. A warning, this story contains explicit language and audio of a violent interaction with police. Your progression of calling 911 over the past couple weeks have been... Let me finish. Okay, you've called 911. Why do I have to hear you? You're supposed to hear me. No, I'm telling you that... Over the past week, Catherine Jenks has called 911 about seven times. And each time when officers arrived, there didn't appear to be an emergency going on. And you're and fals- falsely back, reporting. Okay? You know what? Wait a minute. Let me get my in here, okay? If you're calling 911 to report something that's not of an emergency, it that's is a crime. emergency. She insists, and it sounds like she believes that there is an emergency. 
But whatever fears she has, the two police officers who have been dispatched, Man Lee and Natalie Rafferty, don't think there's any evidence for them. Okay, it's evident the that... The times that we've been here have not been an emergency. On an earlier call, Lee and another officer had talked about bringing this woman in for a psychiatric hold. But instead, they just gave her a warning. Okay, well, excuse me. This time, the cops do something different. No, don't push me out okay. here, lady. Catherine. Yeah? I'm going to need you to put your hands behind your back, okay? Why? Because... Officer Man Lee reaches for his handcuffs. We're going to arrest you. Stop, no, stop resisting, good. okay? We're going to arrest you. It's okay, just push your hands behind your back. Stop it. Stop kicking me. Stop resisting. This woman, Catherine Jenks, is very slight. She's 56 years old and maybe 115 pounds. We're going to arrest you. We're going to arrest you. Dave! She calls out for her partner, Dave, who lives with her. His full name is David O'Reilly. Ouch! Leave her alone. Leave me alone! Go inside. Stop biting me! She hasn't done anything. I haven't done anything. Ah! Ow, stop kicking me. Stop. What? What are they doing? I don't know. What are you picking on her for? Sir, go back inside your house. This is my house. Sir, go back inside your house now. No. In the video, you can see her sit down on her butt on the front step of the porch. Okay, honey, you need to stand up. We're not going to drag you. To use her body weight to kind of resist being taken into custody. Can you understand what we're telling you? You hear the officer's police dog barking in the back of the patrol car. And then suddenly, that sound gets closer. There's a button on Rafferty's belt so that she can remotely release the dog from the back of the car if she gets in trouble. Somehow, it gets pushed in the struggle with Catherine Jenks. The dog lunges out of the darkness. It attacks Catherine Jenks and bites down on her arm. Oh, get him off of me! He's not on you. Oh my God! No! Oh my God, David! I'm Suki Lewis, and I'm a criminal justice reporter. So when there's a police incident where it seems like something went wrong, like officers hurt someone by mistake or shot someone who's unarmed or lied about an arrest, it's my job to ask questions about what happened and ask if there'll be any consequences for officers. Usually I get a standard official reply of, you know, we're going to find out what happened. I am concerned by the actions of some of our officers. We're going to handle it. I will absolutely look at the case in its entirety. Just trust us. We have opened uh, an internal affairs investigation into this. An internal affairs investigation. That's how departments look into cops who break the rules. It's how they hold themselves accountable. And it's an incredibly secretive process, especially here in California. As a reporter, I never got to know if a cop was disciplined. I never got to know the story behind those official responses, or if this whole system really works at all. And victims of police brutality and the family members of people killed by police couldn't get the answers they were looking for. Even prosecutors and defense attorneys couldn't get these files. Until that all changed. The same day that Catherine Jenks was arrested, the governor signed a police transparency law. 
the Right to Know Act, or Senate Bill 1421. Would basically allow public access to a very narrow set of records. Records related to the use of serious or deadly force, on-the-job sexual assault, or on-the-job dishonesty. This change in the law promised to do something extraordinary. Open up thousands of internal case files, body camera footage, and audio tapes that would give us a window into this shadow system of police accountability and let us see inside confidential internal affairs investigations that the officers thought would never be open to the public. There have not been cover-ups. I mean, the cover-ups are, frankly, very, very rare in my experience. But actually getting those records from every police department in the state is a fight that's still not over. A fight to figure out just what those police chiefs and city officials meant when they said trust us, how well police police themselves, and who is hurt when they don't. When this transparency hits and you can see the internal investigations, what you see is that there are officers who lie. And the first records that we got, the internal affairs investigation into an arrest that went sideways, the arrest of Katherine Jenks. She was calling them for help, and they ended up brutalizing her and taking her to jail. I think it's messed me up a little. Can you see how the words that you put into this report appear that you're trying to elevate the situation. She was not just passively resisting, she was kicking and biting officers. It's late 2018, just over a month since Katherine Jenks was booked into jail for allegedly harassing 911 and resisting arrest. The district attorney has filed criminal charges against her, and she's still recovering from a wound to her arm. The police dog bit through her skin and subcutaneous tissue. But what Catherine doesn't know... Okay, the date is November 7th, 2018, and the time... ...is that the Rio Vista police chief has raised some serious concerns about what happened that night. This is an administrative inquiry concerning the city of Rio Vista. My name is Mark Siemens, an independent... The chief hired this outside investigator named Mark Siemens to look into the actions of officers Man Lee and Natalie Rafferty. This inquiry is focused on issues surrounding the arrest of Catherine Jinks on September 30th. Uh, you were involved. I reached out to Manley and Natalie Rafferty multiple times, and they didn't want to talk to me. But you will hear their voices in these tapes that we got from the internal investigation. Please state your full name and spell your last name for the record. Natalie Rafferty, R-A-F-F-E-R-T-Y. Tapes like these have been secret in California since the 1970s. Each year, thousands of complaints are filed against police officers in the state, you know, either by members of the public or from within the department. And internal affairs is the system for looking into these complaints. In this case, the chief asks the investigator to figure out how the dog got out of the car the dog bite during this arrest. and also why the incident reports aren't matching up with yes. video of what happened that night. Since this investigation is uh, related to uh, police reports and entering false information into a police report uh, is a criminal offense. I want to advise you of your rights. And I want to be clear to you that you're not being charged with a crime at this time. Okay? Okay. Rafferty tells the investigator she's worked for Rio Vista for about three years. 
She's a canine officer, which is why there was a police dog in the car the night they showed up at Catherine Jenks' house. At the time that you were making the arrest of Mrs. Jenks, or Miss Jenks, I'm sorry, um, did she appear to be thinking clearly and rationally? I don't know. I think that's a matter of opinion. Was there any indication that she had some mental health issues? There may have been. I think it would be dependent. I mean, I'm not sure. During that call, was there ever any dialogue between you and the other officers about her being uh, 5150? 5150 is a psychiatric hold. Um, I don't think so. I think we might have called her crazy, but I don't know if that was even what we said. In fact, other officers had talked about taking Katherine Jenks in for a psychiatric hold on a previous call, but they didn't. Instead, Rafferty and Lee decided that if she called 911 again, they were going to arrest her. And what kind of plan did you make before you left? We planned that if we went there and there was no emergency and Jenks had called again 911, then we would arrest her. Here's where this case echoes some of the high-profile police incidents across the country. Officers show up at a scene where there's someone who they know or suspect is in mental distress. But they still do what they're trained to do, enforce compliance with their commands or make an arrest. Things don't go as planned. and Sometimes the person gets injured or even killed. But this case also has some key differences. Katherine Jenks is a woman, she's white, and this incident leads to consequences not just for the officers, but for the entire department. And before I knew what had happened, my canine was biting her right uh, forearm. This wasn't just a dog bite. Photographs of her injury show the dog's teeth punctured both sides of her forearm, ripping up the soft tissue of her arm straight through to the bone. But Rafferty tells the investigator, Mark Siemens, that part was a mistake. The dog was never supposed to get out. She thinks that during the struggle that Catherine Jenks accidentally hit the button that released the dog. I know that I didn't press the button myself. The investigator can't determine for sure what happened with the dog, but he does not conclude that Rafferty is lying about it. What he does question is whether this terrible accident led the officers to exaggerate and even falsify some of the details of the incident in their reports. Like what they wrote about Katherine Jenks biting them when they first started to arrest her. It says, based on my training and experience, I know a bite from a human can cause serious injury and or infection due to bacteria and viruses in the human mouth. Why did you put that sentence in there? because I believed it was important to document that. Catherine Jenks did try to bite the officers on the hands, which they documented in photographs. These photos show that she didn't break their skin and she barely left a mark. But they booked Jenks for felony resisting arrest. And the internal report shows that one of the reasons they gave was that those bites could be a deadly threat. Ladoris Cordell served as police auditor for the city of San Jose. She says in that role, she saw resisting arrest charges all too often used as a cover by officers who use unnecessary force. 
and the officers will sometimes actually yell it, stop resisting when the person's not resisting, but they want people around to hear that so that they can get support for, yeah, he was resisting. She's also a retired Superior Court judge. And when the officer would take the witness stand and testify and, and he, the defendant resisted, I would look over and, and most frequently the defendants were black and brown males for the most part. And I could just, they would just sit there and, and just shake their heads. But she says when cases like those made it into her courtroom, it was often the official story, the cop's testimony that won out. I am not saying that every single report that is written up about resisting arrest is falsified. I'm not saying that at all. But does it happen? I believe it does. Most of the time, the department doesn't ask questions about how that official story got built. But in Rio Vista, the investigator Mark Siemens presses Rafferty, and not just about the details she included in her report, but also why she made changes to Officer Lee's report. Okay, I want to hand you a couple of emails. He asks why she edited Lee's report to make it seem like Catherine Jenks' boyfriend, David O'Reilly, was a big threat. Officer Lee believed that Mr. O'Reilly was just questioning officers regarding why Jenks was being arrested. And you changed it to be yelling at us in an aggressive manner. Is that what you saw on the tape? I suggested to Officer Lee, based on what occurred at the time and what I experienced and what I believed he experienced, he was free to write the report however he perceived the incident. This was merely a suggestion. I've seen these reports. She added in words like aggressive and yelling, and she even added in a line that claimed Lee was scared that O'Reilly was going to interfere with the arrest. So... At what point did Officer Lee express to you that he feared that O'Reilly might attempt to prevent Jinx from being taken into custody? I don't know if we had that discussion or not. Okay, so we have the video up right now. Investigator Siemens then plays back the video of the interaction between Lee and O'Reilly. What's going on? Okay, I'm gonna explain to you. Over the past couple weeks, Catherine has been calling 911 to report non-emergency related incidents. So in Gabriel, Somebody's been messing with her car. No, we've responded multiple times and we've found that that's untrue. We've explained it to her already and we've warned her not to abuse 911. Okay? You can't arrest her for that? Yes, we can. It's against the law to abuse emergency services. You can't take my wife, my, my baby in like this. She okay. hasn't done anything. Sir, I explained to you. You're going to arrest her for calling 911 and we, treat her like this? No, that's a, that's a different. Well, when you call 911 to report an emergency, an emergency has to happen. Okay. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Well, I've got a cat here. I don't want her to get out. Okay. Come on in. Talk to me in here. Okay. Well, I, I don't want you to close the door. Okay. So, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things. My colleagues and I also watch these body cam videos. And while O'Reilly sounds concerned, even emotional at times, at no point does he appear to be aggressive or threatening. Can you see how others watching the video and reading 
Lee's report, where Lee's report actually matches the video that he was questioning. Why are you taking her into custody? He didn't appear to be aggressive to most people that watched, not to me, that as I watched the video. He was standing in the doorway. In fact, he actually told Miss Jinks to stop. Stop it. To stop resisting. So, can you see how the words that you put into this report appear that you're trying to elevate the situation and most people jump to the conclusion that that was to justify what happened. The investigator questions Rafferty about all these discrepancies and if they were added to justify the felony charge that Jenks was booked under. It's a pretty serious charge, generally used for people who pose a real violent threat to officers. I think that there are different perspectives and your perspective is gonna be from a nice calm room and there's nobody around you, you know, there's nobody that you fear about take your gun or questioning your authority, refusing your commands. So yeah, I can see how your perception of what you watch is going to be different than me in the moment being there and experiencing that. Where I have all of these thoughts going through my head and all of these concerns and my attention being diverted in different ways and I'm dealing with a person who's resisting me and trying to bite me and I'm thinking, you know, this guy who's right here, right next to my gun, he's obviously in some kind of a domestic relationship with her. Is he going to try to fight us now? He's much bigger than I am. Is he going to try to get her out of our custody? I have a lot more to question and deal with than you in a nice, comfortable setting, already knowing the outcome. The point that Rafferty is making here is that you can't look back on one of these incidents and really know what was going on subjectively for an officer. That's true. You can't know what it was like to be in these really intense moments where officers have to make split-second decisions. And she's saying it's not fair to come back and second-guess them later on. But Rafferty did not write her report in the heat of the moment. She wrote it in a nice, calm room, already knowing the outcome. A police report is not a neutral document. It's a story crafted from details, included or omitted, that can be used to support criminal charges, charges on the basis of which people can lose their liberty. The investigator found that the details Rafferty decided to include, the danger of the human bite, the threat of David O'Reilly, weren't true and were inserted into that story to support the felony charge and to cover up for the fact that Jenks got so badly injured by the dog bite during the arrest. Rafferty contested those findings, and she'd later appeal. But the question that seemed most important to the investigator, why did they even decide to arrest Jenks in the first place? Rafferty and Lee already had questions about her mental health, They thought something wasn't right. But the investigator found they showed up at her front door with a plan already in place, a plan to arrest her. What do you believe she had done? I'm sorry? This is Officer Manley. What do you believe she had done that deserved to be arrested for? Violating 653X. What are the elements of 653X? So I I can read it to you. 
person who telephones or uses an electronic communication device to... Penal Code Section 653X says someone who calls an emergency line with the intent to annoy or harass is guilty of a misdemeanor, punishable by up to six months in jail. Nothing in this section shall apply to telephone calls or communications using electronic device made in good faith. Okay. What does that mean? So, intent to annoy or harass the other person. What, what does the last sentence mean? Nothing shall apply to calls made in good faith. This shall not apply. So if she were to call for an active emergency or believe the one has happened, I believe that would be in good faith. What the investigator is pointing out here is that there has to be an intent to harass. If someone believes they're calling 911 for an emergency, they can't or shouldn't be arrested. Siemens points out that Catherine Jenks clearly felt there was an emergency going on, even if no emergency existed. So if she just, if she believed that something was going on, that's good faith? Sure, yeah. Okay. The investigation found that they never should have arrested her in the first place. The police chief, Dan Daly, sustained, which is like a guilty determination, the investigators' findings that Rafferty had falsified police reports and falsely arrested Jenks and he fired her. He also said Officer Man Lee was let go. Man Lee and Natalie Rafferty both declined to talk to me about this decision. Lee was still on probation as a new officer, so his firing was final. It turned out Rafferty's was not. KQED criminal justice reporter and podcast host, Suki Lewis. To find out what happened to Katherine Jenks and why it's so hard to hold police officers accountable, subscribe to the On Our Watch podcast. Every week, the podcast will take you inside a different internal affairs investigation to uncover what went on for all those years when no one was watching like in cases of sexual misconduct. We take you inside the investigations into two California Highway Patrol officers. What happens to officers who cross the line and to the victims who try to come forward? And he was like, well, we could go get a room, you know, have dinner or something. He had actually got my phone number from the system and had texted me. I'll also take a closer look at the murder of Oscar Grant on the platform of a BART station in Oakland. His death helped launch the Black Lives Matter movement. So what happened yesterday? You saw my cousin. It's like everybody turned against us uh, because of what went down. It's us or them. They knew this all the time. If they knew this for the past 11 years, then all the other details of what we don't know that they're hoping has been thrown away or shredded, they will not tell us unless they are forced to. On Our Watch is a co-production of NPR and KQED. Hosted by Suki Lewis, it's produced by Sandia Dirks, Adelina Lancianese, Cynthia Betubiza, and Nina Sparling. Their data reporter is Hoxing Nan. Fact-checking and research by Barbara Van Workum. Editing by Leela Day and Nicole Beamsterbor with help from Alex Emsley. 
Josh Newell and Chris Hoff engineered their podcast. Original music by Ramtin Arablui, who also composed their theme, and by Cameron Fraser. The records highlighted in On Our Watch were obtained as part of the California Reporting Project, a collaborative effort of 40 newsrooms that was created after the passage of Senate Bill 1421 to investigate police misconduct and serious use of force. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our senior editor is Victoria Maleone, our director is Amanda Font, and our engineer is Brendan Willard. Our team also includes Mary Franklin Harvin and Hector Arsate. I'm Sasha Coca. Thanks so much for listening. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.